This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. Often what happens in uh, personal care homes is that you think that your grandmother, maybe it's your parent, um, will be uh, medicated. And uh, there's new results out today about uh, taking seniors off antipsychotics. And it really does show a dramatic improvement in care. This is an initiative of the Canadian Foundation for Health Improvement. They released what they call our dramatic results from a bold pan-Canadian initiatives reducing the inappropriate use of antipsychotic medication among seniors in long-term care. That means there are fewer falls, there's less aggressive behaviors, resistance to care, and an improved quality of life for residents and their families. The Winnipeg Regional Health Authority was uh, really one of the first organizations to get involved in this. And Alison Bell is the Winnipeg Regional Health uh, so, um, uh, WRHA's pharmaceutical pharmacy manager. And she joins us in studio. We're expecting another guest here shortly. Alison Bell, great to meet you. Thank you very much, Richard. I'm very happy to be here. This goes back to what, 1998, does it? Uh, 2008, actually. Oh, 2008, okay. Yeah, so the Manitoba Health and the Alzheimer's Society of Manitoba decided to invest in dementia care education to the staff and personal care homes, recognizing that we needed to know more about the disease, know how to care for the people with dementia. So we started delivering a program called PIECES. Uh, so it's a Canadian program that really teaches people different approaches to avoid having to use medications. And before that, uh, were we essentially medicating our seniors in long-term personal care homes? There was quite a bit of use of antipsychotic before that. And so we've been very excited to show in Winnipeg that since introducing pieces and a number of other initiatives, we've had a steady, steady decline uh, to be one of the lowest in the country. So we're very excited about that. What are we talking about when we talk about antipsychotics? What, what, what range of, of medications are we talking about here? So generally, um, the ones most familiar to people would be the newer generation antipsychotics, things like risperidone, quetiapine, olanzapine would be the most common ones. And oftentimes they are used in dementia when people are exhibiting behaviors, reactive behaviors, um, and oftentimes family members or care staff might not know exactly why those behaviors are happening. So the medication gets started. And what we're trying to do is teach alternatives to starting that medication. Behavioral management. Yes, yeah. And those medications would obviously dull uh, folks up, but what they found in some of the research was it also led to increased injuries through falls, et cetera, because you don't have as much capacity over yourself, and yet you'd still be moving around. So that's when you saw the spike in injuries as a result, correct? You're trying to solve one problem, but you're creating another problem. Right. And back in 2005, Health Canada and the FDA put out warnings about the use of these medications in the elderly population with dementia, saying a lot of times the risk of these medications is outweighing the benefit to our residents in falls, uh, increased mortality, um, you know, low blood pressure, uh, strokes, all sorts of different risk factors that can happen. We introduced pieces back with the Alzheimer's Society in 2008, and you see results pretty quickly, don't you? Well, as, you know, we start to get staff more engaged in trying to find out what's behind that behavior, and we do this through a number of different things. We do uh, unit huddles, 
So getting together, and that's involving all the staff, not just nursing staff, but healthcare aides, housekeeping, anybody that sees that resident on a daily basis to say, you know, what is it in this person's history that might be causing these behaviors? What was their previous occupation? You know, what, where are they in their reality? And now we fast forward to 2016. Um, we have eight years under our belts here in Winnipeg. What's been the result? Well, we are fortunate enough to have two pilot projects by CFHI uh, happen. And so that uh, was really beneficial. So the first one took place in one of our nursing homes and really focused on educating all staff at that home in the pieces education, as well as looking at those unit huddles. And the second one really focused on engaging prescribers, because at the end of the day, we knew that they're the ones writing the prescriptions uh, for these medications, as well as engaging the pharmacist uh, to be able to uh, objectively review these medications on a quarterly basis to say, you know, is this still benefiting the resident? And if not, can we remove it? Nationwide, 54% of residents had antipsychotics discontinued or significantly reduced. And among those... Falls decreased by 20%, verbally abusive behavior decreased by 33%, physically abusive behavior decreased by 28%, socially inappropriate behavior decreased by 26%, resistance to care decreased by 22%. Um, In all categories, you are seeing huge results. Yeah, the, the impact on falls, I think, um, makes a lot of sense. These medications can affect your mobility. They can affect your cognition. They can make you drowsy, much more likely to fall. I think the really interesting thing is that these medications not only didn't increase behaviors when they were taken away, they actually showed a reduction. So I think that's really important and shows the power of those non-pharmacological strategies in managing the behaviors versus having to go to medications So I think it's important to, you know, have a look at these medications on a critical basis and think about, you know, are they still needed? Stephen Semmes joins us now from the Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement. Thanks so very much for joining us. Uh, With us in uh, studio here is Alison Bell, the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority Pharmacy Manager. Um, Stephen, uh, tell us about the bigger picture here, what you found here as far as uh, the declining use of antipsychotics and the results that you saw in patients? Um, Well, hello, uh, first of all, and hi, Allison. Um, It's it's really fascinating. Uh, So this is a really interesting story about uh, a a success in Winnipeg that has been able to carry across the country. And uh, we were really delighted to be able to help support the work of Allison and her colleagues and others in the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority who have really successfully managed to um, reduce these inappropriate uh, prescriptions for those living with dementia and long-term care. And in working with 56 homes across the country, we were able to uh, help them to adapt and adopt that way of working uh, across the country. And we saw a dramatic, um, we saw dramatic results. We saw overall a 54% of the residents had their antipsychotics either completely discontinued or significantly reduced. 36% had those medications completely eliminated. And as Allison said, the interesting thing is we saw across the country uh, the percentage of falls decreased by 20%, which is a really huge number of people not falling in long-term care. And the other interesting thing we saw across the country, so just consistently in home after home, 
were two other really important things. First of all, that there was about a one-third decrease, as Allison just said, a one-third decrease in these negative behaviors. So people are being put on these uh, medications to supposedly uh, manage negative behaviors or challenging behaviors, and when you take them off through this non-pharmacological approach, those negative behaviors actually decrease. I think think the other thing we heard across the country and home after home was family members saying they felt like they were getting their loved one back again. And that's huge. That's absolutely huge. But I wonder if we put, and I mean we being society, allowed this to happen to put them on antipsychotic medication because somehow let's keep them drugged up. They won't be a threat to others. They won't be a threat to themselves. And I'm wondering if there's also a staffing component to this because to have to address and deal with folks at times, I think it probably takes more staff resources. Am I right or wrong on that, Doc? Well, I'll let Allison speak to the issue of the prescribing uh, patterns here. That's really her expertise. What we can say in the collaborative that we ran across the country, and I think it's fair to say in the in the um, projects in Winnipeg as well, that we, we did not see additional staff required. Um, no home actually had to bring more staff on to do this work. Uh, in fact, what you're doing is bringing the team together through through the way that this project works and through the staff huddles, the use of the data that they're already collecting, um, you really are bringing the team together and the team is actually working much more closely together as a team. So you're actually being more efficient in the care you're providing and you're providing better care. And that's what we saw happen in all of these homes was that, you know, the culture of the ho- at the homes improved because people felt better about what they were doing. And the staff load in many cases actually decreased because it takes a lot of work to deal with somebody who's just had a fall. It also takes a lot of work to manage these negative behaviors and they actually decrease. Yeah, I agree with uh, Stephen's comments. You know, certainly um, if you're able to approach somebody with dementia um, in a, in a non-threatening way and not uh, trigger some of those behaviors, you know, certainly that makes your day go easier. Um, and with all the work that we've done, it's been with existing staff compliments and, and working within that and, you know, garnering uh, and harnessing the um, skills of all the team members. Stephen Samus, what's next on this? Uh, this is uh, results that are encouraging. What has to happen next? Well, I think what has to happen is that um, we, first of all, we want, we really appreciate the opportunity to get this information out there. It's important for the public to know uh, that uh, their loved one may be on these medications and they should start asking questions, start working with their pharmacists, with the family doctors, with the nurses, with the care homes. And uh, if you have a a loved one in long-term care to begin to see whether or not they're on these medications and whether it's appropriate or not. Um, The other thing is that we're um, really interested in is working with uh, provinces to try to scale this work up. Tomorrow, for example, in New Brunswick, uh, we're working with the New Brunswick uh, Nursing Home Association, and we're going to uh, start 15 care homes across New Brunswick starting tomorrow. And then uh, in our second year, we will have covered all 62 care homes in the province. So the New Brunswick government is putting in some funding to scale this up across the province. We'd welcome... uh, the opportunity to do that with other jurisdictions as well. What's next here in Winnipeg? Uh, Well, we're in the midst of something called the Dementia Care Program. We've already worked with 11 different personal care homes to scale up this work, and that's going really excellent. And we have another 12 on the 
slate for this coming fiscal year. And so we hope to reach all the care homes by December of 2018. And the results are that pronounced. It is night and day, isn't it? Yeah, not just even with the antipsychotics, with all different aspects of care. Um, You know, better interactions with the staff. Again, Stephen mentioned the family members feeling that they get their loved one back. So that's really important. Every once in a while, it's nice to do a good news story. Allison Bell from the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. Stephen Samus, Vice President of the Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.